All right, before we get started, uh, I was listening back through the podcast that John and I just did, and I realized that there was a annoying barking dog at some points of the show. I had headphones on. I couldn't hear. Uh, John told me after also that he heard the dog. So sorry about that. We will fix that for the next time. Hopefully it doesn't interfere too much. Uh, and I don't know, maybe maybe the dog becomes a, a bit in the show at some point, but very, very much apologize for that. Uh, so here we go. John and I back together again after a couple weeks off. Give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! It's Double G, the return of the Fight Game Podcast with John LaRocca. We took a week off, and the and the week before that, we didn't even get to do our 93 Raw recap. So we're, we're back, we're ready, we're rested. But my first question for you is, how how are you feeling, man? Um, I'm doing a lot better. You know, I had that mania fluenza. <laughs> that, that was a real thing. I, I thought you were joking when, I, when you first sent me that. No, I mean, it, it was, I mean, I, I'm surprised none of you guys got sick, you know, like, I was a lucky winner, I guess, so, um, it was just, just bad, I, you know, I was fine when I got off the plane on Sunday, um, fine Monday, Tuesday started getting the chills, I, I made a mistake, and I just decided, like, really bundle up, and try to, you know, break the, break the flu, and try to, you know, break my fever, and, but unfortunately, I just I dehydrated myself, mm-hmm. and I got lucky. My wife and kids were just about to leave, and I'm like literally watching them outside the door as as my wife is loading my son into his car seat, and Chloe was just you know leaving me saying bye, and I just looked at my wife and said, "Don't go," and I just fell forward and passed out. And so did did you got, like did you hurt yourself or did you like no, protect I yourself like? I protected myself. It was almost like I like, like knew what was going to happen. I just like put my hands out. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, in laws came over. Trina wanted to call the ambulance, but I ended up. Uh, she took me to the ER. So they got fluids in me, and I felt really good with the fluids. And and then you know just had to recover. And I was pretty much out of it for the, the night and and the next day. But the, and then it just kept kind of snowballing because. Then my son got it. Then Chloe got it. My wife, you know, she's got on the Tamiflu like right away, and she got a little bit of it. But I think with jumping on the Tamiflu ahead of time, you know, uh-huh. just get out in front of it helped. Uh, you know, I think, and plus, you just you know, the mom instincts, you know, kick in and start uh, start taking care of the kids and me and all that. There's no time for mom to get sick, right? So. She has to take care of everyone. So, you know, my wife was a, she was awesome. And, uh, but yeah, it was, it, it just, it sucks because, you know, it just sucks seeing the kids get sick, you know, and, and, and then you can do about it. And, but they're all good. They're, they got a little, little cough and a little, and a little bit of sneezing going on, but that they're doing better. So we're all, we're all the mend. And, 
I'm looking forward to being back. I was bummed I get, couldn't record on Wednesday, but that would have been a bad joke. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, say I saw it's Wednesday. I got pumped. And so excited to be back and ready to talk some wrestling, MMA, boxing, whatever you guys have. Well, it'll be, it'll be mostly wrestling today because uh, I did a show with uh, the great Robert Silva uh, over the weekend, and we posted that on Monday. And that show is all boxing. And we, and we, we talked a little bit about like R&B music and stuff uh, at the end because Robert is also a, a big uh, aficionado of uh, R&B music. But so if you have uh, an inkling to listen to some boxing talk, uh, j- check out the show just previous to this one, which we posted on Monday with Robert Silva. He's great. And then also, you know, um, the week... Cause so, so my, my like, week was... We got home from from uh, from New York, and then it was WrestleMania on Sunday. And then it was Raw on Monday. And then I had to jump back on a plane to go to a business trip. So I was gone, you know, for the for the couple, a couple weeks myself. And... Um, but Duan and I had recorded uh, a couple of weeks prior to that, so I was able to put up the final episode of the Fabulous Four podcast, the several-year project that Duan and I had been doing. It's the epilogue show, so it's just kind of like a recap of what we had talked about, you know, thinking back on some of the stuff that, that we'd gone over and just sort of, you know, and putting in putting an end cap on the whole thing. So there's tons of boxing talk on the website, uh, on the uh, the podcast and uh, and today we'll talk about wrestling, and you know when MMA stuff happens, we'll talk about MMA stuff. But uh, with John here, we we will talk mostly wrestling today. Um, so we were in New York, and I know that you love New York. Was that the love first time? Was that was that the first time you've been to New York? Yeah, it's first time ever. And uh, you know what? Like leading up to it, I was kind of getting overwhelmed. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, big city, and not a real big city kind of guy. Yeah. Because, like, you know, we're right next to San Francisco, and I love the Giants. I love going to, well, now it's called Oracle Park. But I really don't like San Francisco. Like, being in San Francisco, it's it's kind of, like, stressful sometimes, or I feel like it's a lot of the hustle. Or yeah. The watch everything. And I was like, man, you know, New York's probably like 10 times like that, right? But – so, you know, so my surprise, like I was really comfortable in New York, maybe because I was with you guys, the bad dudes on the planet. We got big JR Kratos. So maybe I wasn't worried that much, but like we, were, we, we were stomping with the big dogs with JR, yeah. man. Yeah, you know, I, like I was, you know, I was just having a, I was really relaxed and had a, the time of my life. And I, I really, I thought, I thought San Francisco, I thought New York, sorry, was, was like a really pretty like city, like, you know, but especially in Rubio, Heartbreak Kid, Rubio and I walked down Wall Street and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, it was raining. Like, it was still really beautiful, all the buildings and stuff. So I, I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed our, like, Airbnb, like, East Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. You know, a little bit of the hood. You know, <laughs> I kind of, I, I actually really dug it. Um, I tell us how my coworker who's from Brooklyn, who like is actually from that area in yeah. Brooklyn where we were at, uh-huh. and she's like, "It's not the hood. <laughs> it's a little sketch here and there, but you know, but I enjoyed it. I I, I had a lot of great time. You know, the the my thing about that area was, I really I really loved the area where we were, but we were a little out of the way of of everything, and I think if we would have not that we didn't know, because I think we all sort of knew by staying in Brooklyn we were going to be, you know, outside of uh we couldn't step outside of our hotel room and be right in the in the midst of everything. But 
the public transportation. Now, I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn this subway thing because I I just kind of wanted to learn it. You know, it's like a, it's like a staple, right, is, is the subway. So I was like, look, I'm going to learn this subway thing. And I actually got out there a day earlier than you guys because I was staying with my buddy, Big Money Mike, and we recorded the uh, the radio show, his, his uh, R&B radio show that I was on. And that was a blast. But I, I was just like, I was just asking him questions. I was like, okay, how do I get here? And what's the steps to get here? And then I, you know, one of my friends had showed me an app, which basically gives you all of the, the routes. And so I had that and I figured it out and it was great, except when we were coming home late because some of the trains don't run because we had a we had a, a a train stop right outside of our of our place it was literally half of a block from us so yeah, getting, getting getting there was really easy except i think it like did i think it stopped like at like 10 or 12 or something because if we it was past midnight i couldn't we couldn't get there so i had to like go to like a mile and a half away and then it's like oh 15 minute walk i'm like i'm not walking (laughs) at three o'clock in the morning and so then i just call an uber but like that whole experience of you know figuring out the public transportation and and not being super reliant on ubers which were just expensive as all hell that whole weekend um that 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 was you know sort of that's the thing that i'm gonna remember outside of the stuff that we all did but i I wanted to learn like the utility of of it all just think you know if i go back then i'll sort of figure it out you know right away and 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 be good but um so we went to three shows you actually uh you tried to go to a fourth show uh dave dutcher was was on a show but you guys couldn't get in because it got sold out but um you know, we don't have to we, we don't have to go over the whole weekend. It was, you know, several weeks ago now. But I just kinda wanna get you know, we haven't really talked about this. I wanna get your, your feedback on the three shows we saw, sort of, you know, the differences and, and what you liked and what you didn't like, and then also, you know, like what was the what was the best match that you saw over the whole weekend live? Um, you want to talk to my favorite match? Or you want to talk about the three different the, how the shows? Why did you start with the three different shows? Because we saw we went to Bloodsport, we went to uh, NXT, and then the following night we went to New Japan. Yeah, I think my so the three shows. I think my favorite was New Japan show. Um, I think NXT could have been up there. Actually, you know NXT is up there, but like the problem with NXT is like at the Barclays Center, it was like. We were like really high up, and those seats were like very tight. Yeah. And even though I lost, you know, like thirty pounds, and I was feeling good, just like for like my back was kind of hurting, so it being scrunched up and my knees like pulled in, just like was made it really uncomfortable. So I wasn't really enjoying this show. There's some good wrestling, like really good wrestling. I really liked that show a lot, but like I was just kind of like, just kind of like squeezed in. So I just kind was kind of like thinking about that so i wasn't really into it as much as probably should have been but when i went to master garden i thought that was one just amazing being in there that building you know the you know, the famous arena in the world right and yeah. then um um i really enjoyed uh the overall like production of new japan i enjoyed the uh the lighting of the ring i enjoyed seeing uh, jeff cobb come out for his big entrance um yeah so i overall even though the roh stuff was kind of funky like a monkey (laughs) on that on that new japan roh show um if i just focus on the new japan stuff man i I really like that show the best the 
I think the problem with the NXT show, very much like you said, was that we were a little bit further away from the action than we wanted to be, and which made it a little bit uncomfortable. And like you, I'm it's not that I'm afraid of heights, but I have like a an issue with my equilibrium when I get super high. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you're thinking about that, it's hard to to enjoy the show as much as you could as if we had like if we had the same seats for New Japan as uh, for NXT, that would have been like fantastic, right? Like we would have been right in the mix of things. Um, but, you know, we 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 for what you know, for whatever reason we couldn't get those seats at NXT, not like we weren't willing to pay. It's just they that that card had sold out very quickly, so we, you know, we just had to take what we got. But I kind of want to talk to you about a little bit of, about the Bloodsport show because the one show that people were really bummed that they didn't get to see was that Bloodsport show because what people ask me is mo- more about that show than about the two other shows. Um, and, you know, like you, I loved Madison Square Garden. That was like immediately like maybe the, my favorite arena that I've ever been in. Um, but Bloodsport was so different, but we were kind of packed in there, you know, standing room only, you know, we were, we're out there on the balcony a little bit, um, you know, peeking over and so the ring is underneath us and, you know, you look to the right and, you know, there's William Regal and Kenyon Seaman and there's like Dean Ambrose trying to lay against the wall so nobody recognizes him, but everyone in the building recognized him. Um, but just the dynamic of that show and what they tried to do and having that small quaint tight crowd though there were people on the floor who absolutely couldn't see anything because i talked to guys who who i met up with later who are a part of our uh, our fight game podcast uh facebook group and they were like yeah you know we were way in the back that we couldn't see anything we could only hear what was going on so that kind of sucks but that that was wrestling as I'd never seen it live before. You know, it was just a, a much different style. The, the thing that I, I correlated it to on Wrestling Observer Radio when Big Dave asked me about it was the grappling tournament that you had for premiere with Joe Graves winning the whole thing. Like I, that was the closest I had ever seen to something like that. Yeah, I mean, I like that style. You know, the WFI style, the UWF style, or whatever. You know, it it's it's the shoot styles. It's it's just like really enjoy it and. When you have talent that can pull it off, it's you know just that much better. And, they, and Josh Barnett did a great job with uh, gathering the talent for that show. And um, you know, other than the first match with Baroni <laughs> and Garini, like it, it was, I mean, like uh, right right when Jr's match started with Seth. Um, that was that was the real that was the real kickoff the show that right was there. the real opener and you know, those guys did a great job and they set the pace and did a, exactly what a, I'm gonna call it the opener is exactly what the opener needed to do like to kick off that show yeah and uh, I'm glad that Jr like looked really good and I hope uh, things you know start opening up more for him out of that booking and um, you know I you know I talked to Josh a little bit. Um, you know, sent an email, corresponded, and uh, looks like they're gonna be doing you know more of these shows instead of like once a year. So we'll see what happens. What, and, what about my what about my uh, brainstorm, which was follow all the big Bellator shows. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great idea. You know, like all the big tentpole Bellator shows, like the night before, or, you know, do a do a blood sports show, and you can maybe use a guy or. Or, you know, like a former MMA star, you know, that would go out there and just grapple and 
you know, and flow with a guy, make it exciting. Like imagine like Uriah Faber out there doing this. Yeah, that was the one that we that we had talked about. Like yeah, Uriah Faber and and uh, Mike Brown in a rematch. Yeah, just yeah, something like this, something like a classic, a classic feud. Like maybe like a Don Cerrone and uh, Benson Henderson or something like that. If you can pull that off, you know, so like these classic like rivalries but in a grappling setting or or shoot style setting and you know i think that that'd be that'd be great and um i enjoyed it and i'm so glad we decided like hey let's go check that let's just check this blood sport show we got you know and and it was definitely worth it and it got even better when we found out that jr kratos is going to be on the show so it was like, like like a great weekend all around you know like all my you know good friends within the wrestling business well Poor Dave Dutra. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. But like, um, but you know, like Tom Caster worked the Battle Royal, the Men's Battle Royal for WrestleMania. I mean, that was that was such a great highlight for him, and and you know, more to come for him. You know, in the future, you know, this is like a nice taste. You know, on WrestleMania. I mean, come on, you know. And I, I and, and we got to hang out with him, so I got to spend a little bit of time with him. That was really cool because um i you you speak so highly of him it's almost like i know him know him Mm -hmm. like very well because just hearing your stories and like it's it's great even though i like even though i don't know know him well it's uh you it's almost like you can stand back and just be proud because he had a dream and he chased the shit out of that dream and Mm -hmm. his family you know his his wife completely bought in and that guy is just like you know, not, not to say that this is the apex of his career because he's still got ways to go, but, you know, to see somebody that the respect that I have for someone who is like, look, this is what I want to do and I'm going to give it my 100%. And if I don't, then fine, I, but I'll know that I, that I at least took that opportunity. And for him, you know, he's he's made the, 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 the steps, the proper steps, and he's well on his way to doing something that he loves. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Man, he took took a chance and was all in. And his wife Sharon was by his side and said, "I'm with you." And I mean, you can't ask for anything, you know, better than that from a wife. You know, that's gonna like you know get up and move with you to Florida and to chase the dream. It's not like it was a guaranteed thing. You know, they went out there and 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 hustled and hustled and hustled. And now he's in the WWE and he's doing really well. Um, you know, then also, you know, great to see Jeff Cobb, master garden, um, have a great match with Osprey win the never open Point championship, his first title in new Japan. Like to witness that was, was something special. And I was so happy for him and, and, uh, he killed it. And, um, and then same with, uh, JR at Bloodsport, he killed it too. So I was proud of everyone. I'm sure Dave Dutra would have killed it. <laughs> <laughs> If he wasn't on that shit show Black Craft, which I heard was just completely just a disaster, unorganized, and just a bunch of mutants, and it was just a you know for the most part guys guys working matches two minutes long. It was I just heard it was such a just a disaster. Definitely, I think one of the worst shows, if not the worst show of the of the WrestleMania weekend. You know, Dutra was in the Battle Royal and. It was like, you know, I think he kind of regretted that one when it was all said and done. But, but, silver lining, we, we couldn't get in because it sold out, shockingly. I hope they ever got their money back. <laughs> and so I was with the Heartbreak Kid, Dave Rubin. We, we did the travel from NXT to 
this show back to Jersey for Dutra to kind of accompany him and support him. And they were sold out, so we couldn't, like, what are we going to do? Well, let's go bar hopping out in Jersey. And so we found a really cool nightlife and, and you know, fi- we were originally trying to find a place to eat, but everything was closing, like, for food at, like, 11. So we just kept drinking. And then we finally found a cool little diner and, and uh, you know, had a little had a little meal and then went back to drinking again. <laughs> so that was, like, one of my favorite nights of the whole trip. Just kind of cruising around the heartbreak kid and just talking about life and talking about family and our ladies and all that stuff. So it was great. Uh, if people want to hear a more detailed version of Bloodsport, we did cover it on the uh, the show that we did out in New York. So that that is up. Uh, I think it it's uh, a few shows ago, but we we wonder, mm-hmm. it's the one that we previewed WrestleMania thirty five. So if you want to listen might, to the whole, I might. <laughs> Felt a little good that show. I had to partake in some adult beverages during that. Uh, but we we did we recording. did we did the the old four way show. We don't we had only done um, so previously, and I don't even know if this show is up. But the last time we had like a multi person recording was right before WrestleMania thirty one, mm-hmm. when you me Dutra and even uh, even Kevin Lacey was there, but he didn't he didn't really talk that much. <laughs> But but that was like a that was like a very old sort of version of, of the podcast that we do today. So I don't think that show's even that show might be. I don't know if it's available. It's probably it's probably in in the uh, in the internet graveyard. But um, when we the one that is up there is the New Japan show from uh, Long Beach. Me, you, uh, Dave Dutra, and uh, the oh, heart yes. the heartbreak kid is passed out sleeping while we're while we're recording. <laughs> But so this was the first time we had like a bunch of guys on and, and you know, this time the Heartbreak Kid was on it. And now, you know, the now that means that I'm going to get him to come on, you know, because he, he, he can't say that he, you know, that he, he doesn't do radio anymore because he definitely did it. And then we had Dutra. And then also we got Rob the Bod on there who was like, nope, I don't do this. I just sit in the background. And then uh, Rubio kind of egged him on, and Rod the Bod got on there. So that that was a fun show. And so if you want to hear that Bloodsport recap, we did the whole thing there. Okay, so last thing before we before we get on to the rest of the show, what was your favorite match that you saw live? Um, favorite match was Okada Jay White. You know, it's like you know, like we went to the Cow Palace uh, to see that show, New Japan show, and my first IWGP match I ever see live, and it's like Cody and Omega, and it's just like a very Americanized. Um, over the top match with tables and ladders and yada yada yada. So I, this match, I finally got that authentic IWGP Heavyweight Championship match. Okada at his best. Jay White really good. Uh, I like the emotion, I like the drama. I like the kept me guessing because like you know, I, I I like I really believe that they're gonna crown Okada. And mass regarded, but you know, you know, you just never know Gato. That's what's so, that's why he's so good as a booker. Like he he keeps you guessing, even though you kind of already know what's going to happen. Like he still does that one little one little moment or something he'll do in a match or you know that he that he'll book and and you're like, wait, maybe maybe not, maybe he's not going to change how. So, but it, the child changed and it was awesome and uh, got to see history. So that that was definitely my favorite. I will say that the fifth fall. In Gargano versus Cole, 
was slightly better than Okada and White. The problem that I had with Gargano and Cole is that the first two falls were just okay. And, you know, this is some some of that is just that I knew that they were going to third fall, so it's not like I really cared about the first two falls. So that, that some, some of that is on me because I just knew, you know, I couldn't buy in. But that fifth fall, or the, I'm sorry, the third fall was, I think, a better overall match than uh, Okada and White. But there was something special, and and we were anticipating this. Like, I, like this is what I was waiting for all weekend, which was with that crowd, Madison Square Garden, seeing the IWGP Heavyweight Championship change hands in a great match, that was something special. That meant more. That meant more to me than... As great as Gargano and Cole was, like just from a, a, a meaningful standpoint, that meant more. That was probably like, you know, whether or not, you know, you're a huge Becky Lynch fan. Like I thought, you know, I thought their match at WrestleMania, Becky Lynch and Ronda and Charlotte was a little rushed. You know, they were it was so late. There was a couple of issues with it. It was a, still a cool moment to see Becky at the end of that show, you know, with her hand raised. But there was nothing on that WWE show, even the Kofi match, that really touched the importance of Okada winning that championship at Madison Square Garden. No, no, not at all. So, and, and you know, like when it comes to Cole and Gargano, it's tough to pull off two out three ball match in this day and age. You know, fans are just, they're not into it, and people kind of know the deal. And so I, 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 I just don't think booking two out three fall matches is something people should do anymore i just something because people lose interest same thing with ironman matches ironman matches i I used to like love but now it's like fans know like nothing means anything in an ironman match until the end right yeah so the first like if it's 30 minutes the first the first you know 20 are is just whatever so yeah i think those matches are probably something that you just don't need to book anymore well, you know, I hope that I'm not sounding down on that Gargano Cole match because uh, in the Wrestling Observer, Meltzer said it was the greatest WWE match of all time. So, so you know, there were, there were lots of people who really, really loved that. And I did, too. I just thought the Okada and White match just it felt more. I felt more for, for watching that show and watching that match than anything I saw that weekend. Um, OK, so quickly, I don't think you watched this. But the Viceland documentary came out tonight on the Montreal Screwjob. And I just wanted to quickly give my, my quick, quick thoughts on it. Uh, I've, I watched it uh, last weekend. And um, my immediate thought is that the way that they produce this documentary is more like you would produce like a, uh, a crime show. Like with like like the heavily overly dramatic music, you know the who done it kind of thing, the uh, you know leaving sort of the cliffhangery kind of stuff, and for folks who don't know this story, I think they would have been really interested in watching it based on the way that they produced this. Now, as someone like us who know this story and who've read everything and who've watched everything that there is to watch on it, it was very fluffy and they were definitely trying to make it seem like that there was still a question of what happened when I think we, we all know, you know, at least those of us who have paid attention fairly closely, we all know what happened. Um, and so 
that is the you know the I, and with Viceland, you know when you do a documentary, I think the aspect of the journalism and the finding the right script and using the correct blueprint to tell the story in the proper way is a big thing. But um, it, like I said, it was more like a crime story fictional episode, though. And people who haven't watched it and who plan on watching it, um, fast forward for like two minutes because I'm going to give away a major spoiler in the show. But for the first time ever, the person who came up with the finish came clean. And that person is Jim Cordette. Immediately after, Vince Russo comes out and says that he's the person who came up with the finish. And Jim Cornette basically goes like, how would he even know? <laughs> like, like he's ne he'd never even known of this type of thing to happen. He would have no idea how to even do this. So he's full of it. And so then it became a pissing match between Jim and, uh, and, and Vince. But... You know, Jim Cornette is great on this. Uh, you know, he's such a sass and he's, you know, he's very entertaining. The person who comes... Okay, there's two people who come off really badly on this. And, you know, n the, neither of them are going to listen to this podcast, so I don't got to worry about uh, reciprocals. But um, Eric, Eric Bischoff, you know, as he usually does, comes off as like the person who will not claim responsibility for anything. Um, you know, he brings in Bret Hart right after this happens and Bret Hart like is automatically made a referee and Bischoff is sitting there blaming the other people as far as why Bret didn't, uh, didn't get over in WCW. The other person who comes off really bad is Scott Hall. <laughs> <laughs> why he's on this, I really don't know, but he is claiming at the end of this that is an absolute work. He's believed it has been a work since the day uh, it happened. And he was watching the video and going like, see, look, right there, Brett smiled. Th th you, what, if, if this was not a work, he, he wouldn't have smiled right there. And he just comes off as like out in la-la land. So um, I, I'm sort of interested in how people see this. You know, I put, I put the, the thread up on our Fight Game Podcast uh, Facebook group which you can uh, you can find on the uh, if you if you do want to join you can find on the 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 pinned tweet on our fight game media uh, Twitter page, but I'm really interested in how people see this. I think the people who know the story will probably be really disappointed, and the people who may not be super aware of the story are probably going to be really entertained and then go, oh, I actually came out not knowing what happened just as much as I did before I started watching. So that is yeah. my five-minute rant on that documentary. I think I, if I watched, I'd be pretty upset. Especially <laughs> with just, just, just the Bischoff part of love. Like, like, yeah, Mr., yeah, no, yeah, he won't take any of the blame for anything. He just, you know, he's an innocent bystander and all the the failure of WCW going down the drain so fast. Like, oh, I had a deal. It was this guy's fault. Not, not my fault, you know. You, ha you got handed one of the, it's not the hottest wrestler at the time, and you just, you blew it like a fart in church, just horrible. Right, and, and and here's the other thing, right? So, Brett, the whole Brett thing happens. WWE has egg on their face. 
and they basically take the uh you know the proverbial chicken shit and turn it into chicken salad immediately right like they immediately turn that into something and WCW which is like you just said is handed the hottest guy in wrestling they don't utilize it to increase their lead and start to lose ground almost immediately. Well, not immediately. It's going to take a couple months because, uh, you know, st- the Stone Cold Ascent is is about to happen. But it's like not long after Brett goes to WCW that they just start losing ground to WWE. And then, you know, we all know what happened there. But like like, like you said, like, who, like whose fault is that? If it's not Bischoff's fault, then who really was the boss? <laughs> like... Are, are we? Get... It's him. It's, it's it all lies. It all falls on the boss. It's all it, it it's all him. But you know he acts like he just wasn't him. It was this guy. It was this guy. It was this guy. It was a uh, well. Oh, I, I eighty eight weeks we were on top. <laughs> la, 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 la. It's like it's like fish off. Just go away, man. Like ah, it's so frustrating when I when I hear stuff like that. It's just WWE is so frustrating because I loved it and. It was on top finally, and they had the talent to continue to go on for a decade or more, you know, of just dominance. And it I mean, we we, lit- we literally should still have WWE and WCW today. Yes, exactly. It's just it just Bischoff, like a lot of people, just wanted to be part of the boys, wanted to party, wanted to be cool, and he lost sight of the business aspect of, of the processing business and and that was the downfall of WCW. Someone asked me why that why I think Bischoff uh, acts the way that he does and specifically uh, is so negative around Meltzer and I said that um, I don't know him so I don't want to pretend like I know what's going on but I think the fundamental part of it is when you refuse to take responsibility for stuff you're always on the defensive and if you have someone pressing you for information the easiest way to get out of that is to make it seem like that person is not telling the truth and i think most uh most people know that that you know the stuff that dave has reported it it comes from great reporting and it's not something that he's made up but bischoff has this lionized fan base of I'm not calling them dumb people in general, but when it comes to the wrestling stuff, they're not very smart, which is why they believe him, which is why they defend him. And so, you know, your his whole game now is basically like trying to manipulate a, uh, a, a fan base that he should try to actually make smart if that, you know, but maybe that that's just that, that then, you know, he's not going to be as defensive as he needs to be in order to kind of survive this whole thing and have his podcast or whatever. But yeah, well, you know, I just, uh, you know, sometimes Dave will tell me stories about how often Eric would call him and ask him questions and ask him for advice. And, and then now Eric pretends like, you know, that he and Dave never, never said anything to each other. It's kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, like listen, Dave's the one that had him hire Jericho. Yeah. yeah. Eric, Eric's the guy that Dave went to about Jericho and not just Jericho I mean a whole list of talent you know that that was signed at WCW and and you know but Eric Rush of course just, just doesn't remember that he has selective memory so 
All right, so let's talk quickly about the superstar shakeup. We don't the, the shows were very boring. I, you know, I, I someone asked me like how I would do this in a, in like ten seconds. I said, here's what here's what I would do: Survivor Series, the winner of the Survivor Series gets the first pick in the draft. Every major pay per view, so we're talking um, SummerSlam, Money in the Bank, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble. You have a brand versus brand match. The winner of the brand versus brand match gets a, a uh, basically a hold. And so if you have four matches, and let's say Raw wins all four, they basically have four holds, and they could pull guys back so that SmackDown couldn't draft them. But because SmackDown didn't have any, didn't win any of those matches, everybody on their roster is up for grabs. This is kind of how expansion drafts are done when sports expand uh, and, and, you know, how to, like, you know, the uh, hockey just did it recently with the Las Vegas team. So you have the idea that you can actually put someone, you can, you, you can, you can stop that person from being drafted, but all of those are based on these four interbrand matches. And so thus, if you're raw, you go, okay, well, I'm blocking Brock Lesnar. You can't take Brock Lesnar from me. And my second one is going to be Ronda Rousey. You can't take Ronda Rousey from me. And then SmackDown goes, well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna hold Daniel Bryan because you know, and Kofi Kingston because he's the champ. We don't want our champ leaving. And so everyone else is up for grabs. And then you have the GMs. They each get you know five picks or whatever it is, and then they just draft based on you know whatever. And then you have a free agent period in in that everyone knows how long these contracts are for. And so you have GMs, you know, trying to keep guys on their side. Like, this is what's really happening in their company. So it's not like they can't, like, write this stuff. And, uh, but, but it's like the, like the Superstar Shakeup shows were just so boring, so not meaningful. And it came across as, like, you know, they hyped it up as, as, you know, the, the, this beginning of the new season of WWE. And then it's just like, boring like oh well okay like sure uh uh buddy murphy is now on smackdown and he goes oh by the way you guys probably don't know me it's like what (laughs) you've been on 205 live like every week i've only been the champion for x amount of months but you don't know me i've been i've i've had like the best match on like half of the (laughs) pay-per-views this year but you don't know me Oh, so bad. All right, so let's just go over the the roster. New new to the SmackDown side, Intercontinental Champion Finn Balor. Maybe he'll be able to be more in the main event picture than he was on Raw. Um, Ember Moon, Bailey, who got booed like crazy in that uh, in front of that Montreal audience. <laughs> Kyrie Sane, favorite of yours. She is now on the SmackDown roster and is going to be in a tag team with Asuka. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I like that move. Uh, they, I think uh, we we kind of actually we talked about it at WrestleMania weekend amongst our you know our inner circle. We were like saying like you know they're going to be WrestleMania in Tampa. You know they're definitely doing the pirate thing. So like you would think that Kyrie would be challenging for the championship or one of the championships come WrestleMania uh, thirty two or whatever it is now <laughs> thirty thirty six thirty six yeah sorry <laughs> I keep thirty one hit my Came in my head, but like, uh, yeah, so I, you know, I'm sure, right? It seems like that should happen. Yeah. Yeah. 
just makes sense. She got to hit the fantastic elbow yeah. uh, on the show. That was great. Maybe she wrestles Oscar. That'd be cool. Another one of your faves, Lars Sullivan, is also on SmackDown. Yes, yes. Uh, excited that he's finally debuted on the main roster. I think he's uh, an A-plus guy. Um, uh, Mini-Venner, uh, they have to definitely protect him, and he should not be losing anytime soon. Um, but, you know, this is WWE, and they have to wrestle main event matches all the time every week, so it's kind of hard to keep a guy undefeated without doing some kind of stupid crap. So um, we'll see what, how they do with them. But, you know, Lars, is, he's, he's, he's a unique character. He's a unique-looking guy. He can talk. He can wrestle. Um, he's fast. So, yeah, I, I, think he's, I think he's tremendous. So uh, I just hope they, I hope they protect him. They did keep him away from Braun Strowman, so they are on separate brands. That's smart. Buddy Murphy and Elias also join SmackDown. And then the main event of the entire draft was the big dog, Roman Reigns. So now Reigns gets to be on the blue brand. Um, one of our one of our friends in the in, in the in the uh, Facebook group had the thought of uh, that SmackDown went heavy on the uh, higher merchandise sellers uh, of the of the crew, and he was wondering if. That was like a prelude to uh, to Fox. Like they think like these are our most popular baby faces, and thus uh, and thus you know maybe that will help with the audience. So um, Roman is there, and then after the show was over, Liv Morgan. So they split up the Riot Squad. Chad Gable. So they split up that tag team. Apollo Cruz, Mickey James, and Heavy Machinery are now on SmackDown. Yeah, with the with the includes Daniel Bryan still there, Randy Orton still there. So it. I mean, there's some some unique stuff, hopefully, but it's just, I mean, well, how unique could this be? You know, like they just they they wrestle each other all the time. They've been doing months of or weeks of interpromotional quote unquote matches leading up to WrestleMania. So we'll see. I'm I don't know. This is WWE main roster stuff is just really hit or miss and mostly miss lately. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. So, guys going to Raw, or talent going to Raw, I should say, The Miz, and the former War Raiders, now called the Viking Experience, on Raw. <laughs> what are your thoughts I, on that name? Um, shocked. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't be, because Vince has just happened before, but like, you had a name that was pretty cool. In the War Raiders, and you have well, this is what pisses me off. This would this drives me insane. You have NXT, which is basically your developmental group. It's a third. It's a third brand. It's another brand, but reality is, it's a feeder system. And NXT's job is to get these guys over and these gals over, and then when they get called up, you have this hot property now that you can you know plug into your you know, the main roster storylines. But they don't do it. I don't understand. I don't understand. Like the NXT team works so hard to get these these talents over, and they just end up going to the main roster and 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 screwing them up. And it seems like they, you know, not only do they change their name, the Viking experience just sounds ridiculous. It sounds it just sounds goofy. 
they changed their their first some you know their name their first their first names or something like that right they're Ivar and something else yeah yeah Eric Eric and Ivar I think Eric and Ivar like stupid and then and then they team them up with Revival who are just printing losers on Raw like that's not how you debut them it's just ugh. I hope they I like Hanson and 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 Row a lot I just hope they you know hope they get through the past this and end up having a good career on the main roster. But like I said, I, when it comes to NXT call-ups and all that, I just have zero faith in the current WWE writing staff on the main roster to, to get these guys over. All right, so the rest of the guys uh, and girls, Cedric Alexander, Andrade, and Zelina Vega. And this one is interesting because... I don't know if this was strategic or not, but Charlotte started posting a lot of photos of her and Andrade on Instagram over the weekend. Uh, and so, you know, I don't think it's a secret that they were together. I saw, we saw them WrestleMania weekend uh, hanging out. And Charlotte is still on SmackDown and Andrade got moved over to Raw. So that's very interesting because I can't imagine that either of them are happy about that. No, and they usually like to keep the couples together as much as possible. So it's almost was... like it's yeah, it's almost like there's a a story there as to why I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. Someone pissed off someone, maybe I don't know, but uh, maybe they want that relationship out in the public. And they decided to because she was pretty secretive about it for a while, even though people knew it's just it's just they she wasn't really public with it, and all of a sudden now she's public with it, so. Well, I think I think the the first giveaway that I saw was when she started wearing the Los Ingobernables hat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so the uh, the rest of of the folks: Rey Mysterio, the Usos, Naomi, Eric Young, which means they've split up your your boys' sanity. Yep. Uh, Stupid. Lacey Evans, who looks to now be challenging Becky for her title, and she's got this uh, she's got this Christopher Daniels like moonsault that she almost uh, killed Natalia with, which uh, was was she it was impressive though um, the match wasn't as uh, necessarily impressive, but they are they are going with her for sure. Yeah, splitting up sanity is something that I kind of expected with the superstar shakeup. Um, I could see Eric Young actually um, kind of transferring into an agent role. Mm. I just think that I just think that's the next step for him. That'd and be, he'll be great. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. So that sucks because Sandy was like, like again a really good group that the NXT brand got over, and it could have done some really cool stuff on the main roster. Just, just the it's like they got called up. It's like you call these people up, like have a plan. Yep. They just call people up randomly. Whatever, you know, Vince gets excited and wants people up and I'm sure Triple H gets pretty damn frustrated with it, but what's it going to do? Till till Vince dies, you know, he's the boss and the final say. I can't imagine that he was fine with the name of Sanity. Yeah, maybe not. I'm surprised he didn't change their names. <laughs> Uh, and so the main event to the raw, uh, the raw uh, roster, the main the main takeaway from SmackDown was AJ Styles. So he is now with the Raw brand. The other folks who are now on Raw: Ricochet, Alistair Black, and EC3, who just showed up and got killed. So that that was his role. 
Um, all right, so let's. I'm going to talk about a couple of more wrestling stuff. These will be more quick hits, so just your quick and dirty thoughts about these stories, and then we'll get to Raw episode 12. Yeah, they got to be quick and dirty, man. This is the fight game podcast. This this is we we can we can get a little we can get a little crazier here. All right, so uh, Ronda Rousey comes out and says, "Well, she she was mostly a picture, a picture of her and her husband smooching in the shadow." And she called it her impregnation vacation. So it definitely looks like she's planning on taking some time off. And if she does get pregnant and they do have a child, we're probably talking a couple years here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's been her goal is to start a family. She's made that public. Um, so it wasn't. I'm not. I'm not surprised by this. So yeah. I mean, I hope that works out for them. I hope they can get that family going and. I'm glad it was a little more. I mean, when I saw the, I heard you. I think you saw that post on our our Facebook group about the impregnation <laughs> vacation. You know, it wasn't it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So yeah, yeah, she didn't put a picture of her like in the pile driver position, you know, <laughs> trout, trout or anything like that. So. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, Short and dirty, right yeah. there. <laughs> Um, okay, so there are two talents on the WWE side who seem to be fairly unhappy uh and and uh one of them sent out a note asking for his release that is luke harper uh he hasn't been around except i think he did stuff for that world's collide uh show uh over wrestlemania weekend and also someone who has was not at tv was sasha banks she seems to be a little frustrated with her role and uh, what are your thoughts about both of them and sort of where they stand in the WWE ecosystem and beyond? Uh, Luke Harper, you know, I think it's a good move for him to try to test the waters elsewhere. Um, you know, in the this, this, this huge roster, the WWE main roster, you know, once you've gone through a couple uh, changes of your gimmick and, then, you know, he's I think he's on his third or fourth. And, you know, whatever they've come up with him lately, I think he's tiny. I think he's just frustrated and time to move on. I think he's. I think he can land on his feet somewhere. I think uh, he'd be good for an AEW pickup. He'd be good for New Japan pickup. Or you know, ROH is looking to always build their talent up. So, I think it'd be nice for. I think it'd be nice to be for him. Sasha. I mean, she's been complaining for a while. Um, unhappy. She wants to. You know, she. You know, she was part of that original core women that were. You know started this you know women's evolution thing right that they feature around she's been on the back burner too but but luckily you know charlotte has outperformed her uh becky got got hot you know and then you had ronda who they're not they're not 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 gonna not push her right they spent so much money on her invest a lot in her so you know you know but you know sasha was fine but i think she's just, it's a power play to try to see if she can you know get back into the main event scene the feature scene of the women so we'll see what happens to her i think you know i don't know it just you know she should be happy she had a, a match on wrestlemania she got basically you know she, you know she's upset she lost like who cares about that like who just who cares like it's just your job <laughs> you know it wasn't like the hug and boss connection was tearing it up either, you know. So, I wonder if you know, this, the, the, a lot of this 
probably comes down to the fact that AEW is a real opposition and who who knows what happens with them they don't even you know they haven't even announced the TV deal yet they have uh you know they sold out uh two shows which is which is pretty amazing in of itself but they the where where they are competition is in how much they seem to be willing to spend on talent so mm-hmm. if you're Sasha Banks and you're like, man, like, you know, I was here at the beginning and now I'm kind of pushed to the wayside and, you know, I should be in these matches instead of, you know, instead of X, Y, Z. You, if you do decide that that is your move and you want to leverage whether it is money or whether it is push or whether it is, you know, whatever the other things that are important to her, it's not a bad time to do this. Um it's just, uh, I wouldn't say it's not professional because the, I think the entire the whole scope of what it means to be a WWE contractor is probably not very professional either. So I can't, I can't dismiss what, what, what they do when, you know, the, their, their standing in the company is funky as it is, but it is, it's a bit of a risk, right? Like she's banking on the fact that you know, that she is uh, marketable and she's attractive to the other side, probably. I, I don't know exactly what, what's in her mind, but um, I almost feel like this is like an old school kind of thing. It's just because of social media, it's it's a little bit more public than, than uh, you probably would like. But it feels to me like this is what talent would do back in the day when you had two competing companies who were, who didn't want to lose anybody. Yeah, you know, I, it's... It's a good, the big unknown though. The AEW, as much as they have early success, like what's their longevity? How's you know? It's it's still an unknown. And in WWE, you know, you're in a secure spot for the most part. So I think they'll end up working something out with Sasha. She'll be fine. And, you know, she'll be featured and. Maybe a little raise and stuff, so she'll be fine. I think. I think she'll be in WWE. What did you think about the announced main event for AEW's Fight for the Fallen? Kenny Omega versus Shima. Uh, that's a really good match. It sounds like uh, Shima is he signed a full time contract AEW. Um, from understanding, the investor for the O O uh, OWE. Uh, might have pulled out or something's going on with that. So I think uh, Seema's looking to, you know, go somewhere else. And 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 he's going to bring, sounds like he's going to bring guys like T-Hawk and El Lindemann. And, I mean, those are some really good talents. So that would be just huge pickups for AEW. And uh, that's, 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 that's awesome. And, you know, that's, that's like a, you know, for a lot of the hardcore fans, it's a dream match. And people will be pretty excited to see that. And uh, that's in July, right? That's the Jacksonville show. Yes, that is. That, I think tickets go on sale Thursday. Yeah, so, it'll, it'll sell out immediately. And, you think uh, so? I think so. I think there's still... There's in Jacksonville? That, I think there's still that that that, <laughs> that excitement over the AEW product. And I think they'll have a couple sellouts and all that stuff so no, i mean I, th- I think they'll sell out too probably eventually but i think that that thursday number is going to be interesting if they sell i don't know what the building is like maybe four or five thousand but if they sell out that date immediately like that says something um, yeah 
Yeah, I think they will. I think, I think I think the fans are still they're still hyped, and then and uh, they're gonna they're gonna jump on those tickets. So uh, the last thing before we move on to Raw is I saw that Shane Strickland and Hector Garza Jr. Mm-hmm. started at the PC. Yep, yep, yeah, it's been talked about for a while. You you yeah. saw Strickland just recently. Uh, what what do you think about him? I think Strickland's fantastic i think he has a a great presence uh, beyond his athletic ability and his wrestling ability like he's just has that charisma about him he has that sw- his nickname's a swerve like just has that like major player about him when he comes out so i hope they could tap into that wbe and i think he'll do i think he'll do well there garza jr he's really he's a good talent but you know i don't know how how stuff will be though <laughs> excuse me sorry but he's there with his brother so i'm sure he's happy and um um and i think he'll think he'll do well i think i mean i don't know it's, it's hit and miss with the lucha guys right yeah. so yeah. i i say his chances are for eh, i'll say 40 percent, but i think strickland's chances to at least at least the nxt brand i think it's about 90 percent. and kushida 100 you know, is going to be featured well in yeah. his uh, NXT run. All right, it's time for our Raw Review, episode 12. This is where we have been reviewing the from the very beginning of Monday Night Raw, 1993. Uh, we started from episode one. Now we're on episode 12. We've missed it for the last two weeks because we were in New York and we had a, the big WrestleMania preview. Last week, you were uh, feeling a little ill so we are back for episode 12 and i will say this show <laughs> was did like the uh really the main event as far as a wrestling standpoint was in the first match um and this show wasn't fantastic in any way but i still enjoyed the hell out of it <laughs> yeah it was it was it was fun uh that there's some cool stuff in it and i, I... I like the things they did with Money Incorporated and the Beverly Brothers. I thought that was uh I don't remember that that program. So that was it was kind of fun to rewatch it and go, Oh, wow, I didn't realize that, you know, that they had a little maybe like may, might have been just a two week program, but it you know, I'm looking forward to next week's episode to watch that match. Yeah, they, they really hyped that thing very well. I, I was like, God, I can't wait now. The the funny thing about this show is it did a three point four rating which was the highest rating for any wrestling television show in the previous 20 months. And if, oh, you, and if you look at the show, you're like, uh, why again? And so uh, I was reading The Observer, and I, I only read of, of that week, so it's possible that there are other reasons that Dave did not have at that moment. But he theorized that because the post-WrestleMania Raw was also the same night as the infamous Chris Webber timeout NCAA title game against North Carolina that a lot of people didn't actually watch Raw that night and thus this was their first opportunity to really watch post-WrestleMania 9. And so he thinks that's why the uh, the rating was so high. But like, if you want a, uh, a trivia question... You want to you create a trivia question of, you know, what was the the 
the highest rated Raw in the first four months of the show and what was the main event, your answer is Friar Ferguson. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Wow, Friar <laughs> Ferguson, man. Uh, okay, so let's start at the beginning. The beginning, the, the beginning of the show is actually Money Incorporated and the Beverly Brothers talking about a deal in in the back and then we get kicked off to well it's more of like a scouting uh meeting like money inks ask because i think the show before right they wrestled the steiner brothers yeah and so the money inks like kind of getting information like so what about this i like i like the uh, earnard heisters like what about that doubles arm <laughs> you know and then and then of course remember Watch out for the Frankensteiner. You don't <laughs> want to be hit with that. So I, I, I really liked it. I really liked the cold open with this promo. I thought that was, I thought that was really cool. I like, I, I like the collusion of these, these two teams coming together, and, and I thought that was, it was fun. They are back in Poughkeepsie mm-hmm. for yeah, this hot show. Crowd. Yeah, it was actually a hot crowd. Vince was very energized too. He was laughing. He was making fun of Bartlett. He was hyping stuff up. Yeah, Bartlett came back. This time he was rambling Rob Bartlett, clean-shaven. He almost looks different like every single show. Uh, So the the first match was a really fun match between Scott Steiner and IRS. And the thing that I came out of it was, you know, you look at Scott and you look at Rick and, you know, they're two big, like, burly dudes. And Scott specifically is, like, jacked to the gills. And then you stand them next to IRS and Ted DiBiase, and you're like, holy shit, IRS and Ted DiBiase are gigantic individual men. Yeah, they're big. They're oh, my guys. God. Like, And not only are they big, but IRS, I mean, he was you know, running into turnbuckles at like high speeds and hitting the ropes at high speeds. And I was just like, man, like, I, I understand the IRS gimmick was the, you know, the, the best gimmick for him. As far as you know, what what worked in WWE, uh, I know he was Varsity Club and NWA and WCW, but I almost feel like you know you could have had like a babyface, high mid card Intercontinental Champion kind of guy with him, though you know his personality worked really well in that character. But just from a wrestling style, I was like, man, this guy worked so hard for uh, you know for this match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Trent is such a good wrestler, and uh, this match was really good. When I was watching the Steiner Scott Steiner versus the IRS, I just kind of got a call back to like 1989 when the Steiner brothers, when Scott came in, was helping his brother versus the Varsity Club with Sullivan and Mike Rotunda. So this is like you know they're comfortable in there, and you could tell, and they enjoy working with each other. And they had a really good match, just just back and forth. Um, the finish I expected, DiBiase to come in, disqualification. Uh, Steiner, Rick Steiner jumps in, you know, knock the heels out, let him running, baby faces stand up tall. So I, you know, I expected that finish, and, and I got it. And uh, there was one moment though, like with Scott went for that double arm, like tr- Tiger Driver, which he doesn't sit down anymore because his back's starting to hurt now, and he like I don't know what happened or trying to went up heavy or something like that and get killed with that move, <laughs> but he ended up powering him over so it was it was cool but uh, yeah that was a really good match and it was like really fast paced and they when they went I think they went through a commercial break if I remember correctly so I mean to get on those guys they 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 really killed it out there 
So they're they're hyping this Luna Vachon interview for later in the show that Rob Bartlett's going to do. And Vince says that he calls her a centerfold. I'm not exactly sure why, but I think it may have been just to set up this line where Bartlett goes, yeah, centerfold of Field and Stream magazine. (laughs) I fought for that, though. (laughs) So, uh, like you said, the DQ, Beverly's come out. They try to do the double team to to beat up the beat up Scott. Scott moves out of the way, and uh, they clothesline DiBiase. And so now DiBiase's pissed. He's you know they're they're trying to apologize, and DiBiase's just like you know just get away from me. And DiBiase leaves, and and Beverly's are like ready to fight. I thought uh, IRS goes to get the briefcase, so I thought he was gonna like sneak up behind and 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 plaster, him, but he didn't. He just kind of had it just in case and. So this sets up the show-long angle of uh, making the match for next week. So they do another, uh, they're, ha- they're having another WrestleMania 9 replay right after Raw on pay-per-view. So if you haven't seen Raw, even though they spoil all the big parts of the whole show throughout this show, uh, you, you have another opportunity to watch, uh, to watch WrestleMania 9 on pay-per-view. Tatanka faces Vaughn... Is it Cruz or Crus? Crush. Skull Von Crush, which is Vito LaGrasso. So uh, the only thing I could think of in this match was, A, forget about Hulk Hogan. Tatanka should be the champ. <laughs> and B, forget about Kofi Kingston uh, and uh, Seth Rollins. Tatanka should be the champ of WWE right now. Like, his... like. I, there's just something about him in these Raws that we've been watching where I'm just like, man, this guy, look, he's he's not the world's greatest wrestler in any way, but just the uh, the way that the crowd uh, just, they, 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 they're what they they feel like they're watching like the next big star in WWE. Like that's how, that's how he gets received by them. And so, um, you know, I just I'm just thinking like you know physique wise and and just easy stuff that helps him get over. I'm just like man, this guy just needs to be the champion right now. Obviously, it doesn't doesn't happen that way, but I was just I've just been so impressed with Tatanka, save for like one match. Like there was one match where I was like, ah, eh, crowd didn't really react. But every single time we watch him on this show, he's just over like crazy. Yeah, he looked good, and um, I always thought he should have won the Intercontinental title at WrestleMania Nine. I think I, I think he should have won the. Intercontinental title was turned heel against Lex Luger, and uh, it was at 94. Like, yeah, I, I don't know what happened and why Vince. I'm surprised Vince never went that route with him because he seems like a guy that Vince would love. You know, great looking guy, great physique. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed talking. I love his uh, finisher at the uh, end of the trail. This is basically a solo drop. But, like, he seemed the way he executes it, just like it's like clean and perfect, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, I, I mean, back then, I remember, you know, I was really a big, big supporter of uh, Tatanka, especially because I've seen him before. Yeah. South Atlanta Pro Wrestling as Chris, Chris Chavis, Warrigo Chris Chavis. So I was always hyped on Tatanka. And, and, um, and uh, yeah, so they had a fun little squash match. You know, Vito Rosso was, uh, <laughs> he's kind of funny, you know, Scope on Crush. They did this, I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it was like the chops. Like he was purposely doing like weak chops. So, which is pretty smart, and like to get, and then the Tatanka reverse him, and Tatanka getting the big light him up chop, you know, mm-hmm. which got a re- reaction. So, 
Yeah, and then Lebrasso looked like a baby. That's how that's, uh, he looked like guy. He was like twenty something years old, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, you know, he had a good career, a solid career. He's kind of a goofy guy, out there guy. But you know, went to Japan, did some stuff, went to WCW, ECW stuff. So we finally have a brand new Ico Pro commercial. Steiner's right, and it is the Steiner brothers. And man, like at least. When, when Bret Hart was doing the commercial, because, like, Bret Hart is, is in shape and has muscles, but is not, like, grotesquely muscular, you're like, oh, okay, like, mm, he probably does take IcoPro. And you see these guys, and you're like, what are they spiking their IcoPro with? Because there's no way in, in hell that they're I just, t- <laughs> I just like the beat, like, the, little, the music that they yeah. use, the, the, little, the little rev up the engine, don't, don't, you know, like, yep. it, just, it just cracks me up. They don't say much, I think. They always say, like, a line or two. Yeah, but I, I think it's cool, though, because it shows you that, you know, the, you know they, when they get these, these little commercial spots, it's because Vince thinks that they, you know, they can sell and that they're stars. So it's cool to see them in that role on this show. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so then we get to the Luna Vachon interview with Rob Bartlett. <laughs> Bartlett plays it as the fool and he basically asks luna like one question and she goes off and then he basically sets up sherry coming out to uh to fight with luna and they have a pull apart what is interesting about this pull apart is we haven't seen you know a lot of risque kind of stuff like you know six seven years later like you basically see this kind of thing every single week but sherry's uh, Sherry's top gets pulled off, so you just see her in a bra. Um, Luna's uh, Luna's pants kind of get pulled down, so you just see her in full thong. And you know, Vince is apologizing to the to the audience for it. And I'm like, what are you apologizing for, you dick? This is what you wrote to happen. <laughs> like, like you're like you're trying to pretend like this wasn't supposed to happen, and you're apologizing because it's risque, and yet this is exactly what you wanted to happen. It's kind of funny. Yep. Yeah, this is like their, their, their you know, attempt to be raw, uncensored, all that stuff, right? So yeah. they're trying to... Uncooked just, and undressed, uncooked. or whatever he said, whatever It just line went was. so long, though, and you know, people got a kick out of it, you know, Vince got a kick out of it, um, but I just remember like it going long, but I did like the wildness of it. Yeah. You know, it didn't look like a t- typical pro wrestling brawl. Bo- just... Both of them gave you the feeling of that they were just crazy. Yep, crazy. And they, they, it, it kind of got you on your toes of like, will something rip? Will something rip? <laughs> like, you know, and it's just, it's just funny because, you know, it's, I don't see Luna like that. So, I mean, Sherry, I always thought was pretty sexy, but like that—that that, that was what I wanted to ask you. Was Sherry was a? a uh, I, I wouldn't call Sherry fat, though. Like at certain points in her career, she was a little bit heavier than others. But she's an—I mean, she's an athletic woman, right? Like she's not. She didn't have that, uh, you know, bikini model figure. That's not who she was. But even though they always portrayed her as like. Um, not glamorous but you know she, scary she, sherry scary sherry like that was her role i always did find her to be sexy and not mm-hmm. and i i not to say that i thought she was like super attractive or super pretty but she always had a sex appeal to her which says a lot considering kind of the role that she was put in like she still was able to exude in that role and and that i always found that about her yeah elizabeth was the one you took home to mom and dad but like 
Sherry's one you had the wildest time with, basically, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, yeah, I was as a kid, I thought Sherry was pretty hot. Like I didn't really get the scary Sherry stuff, you know. But like I thought that I thought she was attractive. And Luna, I just never got into her like that, you know. I didn't really the whole like makeup with the veins on the side of the face yeah. like, actually kind of grossed me out. Like <laughs> veins in general. Uh, <laughs> kind of gross me out like in horror movies when you see a character's veins popping out like it's it kind of makes me turn my head because so yeah yeah luna she's an interesting character and and uh, so it's sad that both women are gone too. yeah that was another yeah. thing that hit me hard yeah, absolutely watching that segment and uh saying the well, it was kind of cool and also saying macho being gone but like it was the, the my favorite part of that segment was actually when macho and sherry had a moment yeah you know with their history so that was cool and i liked when sherry said did the old oh yeah 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 that was was cool cool. bartlett even comes back and he's like got like all kinds of makeup on his face like he got marked up and he gets Mm -hmm. to play the you know the 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 woozy guy and the dumb guy that that was kind of his role on the show yeah and like it wasn't that funny but it's only funny to one man and it's the most important on the show and that's Vince and he's having a ball with he's it. He's cackling. He thinks this is the greatest. It's, 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 it's just total Vince's humor but like, I'm like watching him like, this is not that funny. But let's do it to what you own, you know? Papa Shango faced one Scotty Too Hotty before yep. he was Scotty Too Hotty and they had a squash match, but it was kind of uh, the background was Bartlett and Vince kind of going back and forth. So the match was very secondary. It, just, it also just surprised me. Like, damn, Chongo's still there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, by the way, guess what they put on Hidden Gems is the dark match from Wrestle 89 between Papa Chongo and Tito, Tito Santana. Wow. They, they've been listening to our podcast. Already, I know. So they got to get this up. Exactly. And then, like I said, in the wrestling main event of this show, it was... Is this his debut as Friar Ferguson? Well, I think television debut, but I think they tried him out as the Mad Monk. Yeah, 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 yeah. As a heel, I think, but then they came... and then But he came out as babyface, Friar Ferguson. I mean, Vince, what was going on here? Like, who thought this was a good idea when Stanford and they're drawing this up? Like, they, had, they, they shaved his head like a halo and... Who did, who did he even wrestle? I didn't even catch who he wrestled. Uh, Chris Duffy was the guy's name, who was uh, uh, a long-time enhancement talent in the Northeast. Um, you'd, you'd seen him on the Superstars Wrestling Challenges whenever they do shows there. And uh, he actually was really good. And uh, he's a really reliable talent and um, did his best with Mike Shaw, which is, you know, Former Norman Lunatic, Moccasin, mm-hmm. in Calgary, and Global, and um, or Mother Truckin' Norman in WCW as well. So, uh, but, you know. This is like one of yeah. the longest squash matches of all time. Just long, and I thought, like, the finish was going to happen, like, two moves. I know. But I'm like, wait, he likes to do that guy. He does a sunset flip, mm-hmm. and he just sits on him spot. So, he... And there's the weird, like, weird stuff about making the guy look under his uh, his gown. Yeah, like he thought people would get a chuckle when he'd do like a little, little JYD knee slap and dance, but no one cared. Mm-hmm. It, it just didn't, just didn't connect. Obviously, it didn't connect because they changed it up and he became Bash and Booger, but that didn't really connect either. So. Yep, yep. 
So, like we said, next week is Money, Inc. versus the Beverly Brothers in a no-disqualification match. So that there we go with uh, setting something up that I'm actually looking forward to. Wow, that was a very very easy and logical booking, and, and I'm excited. Well, don't forget that at the end of the show, they had a quick little back you know backstage promo with vince talking to money inc oh yeah yeah out, yeah yeah, yeah. Out, out from the locker room out from the bubble buzz they start to fight each other and what stood out to me in the segment is seeing dibiase and irs with those wwf tag team titles gold they look important right and the the way like the light was shining on it just looked like wow yeah these these look like something you need to win and, no no bl- no blue straps yeah and, then, and you think about the raw and the smackdown tag type house how how crappy they look you know mm-hmm. and, or, and how they you know like this is still back in when when these titles meant something and so i'm looking forward to because they like i talked about this before like i'm i'm a big beverly Bowes fan i was always like like to work uh dibiase and i roster good talent like i hope i don't remember the match i just hope they got some time like a good 15 minutes and hope they could tell a good story and and, uh, have a good match because they definitely have the talent in there to do it okay so the um in the in the observer for that week hogan is filming thunder in paradise (laughs) he's got a few dates that he is working uh, but Dave mentions that the build is to the King of the Ring in June. And then he also talks about building to Brett and Hogan. And I'm just going to read directly from the Observer from that week. He says, All the inside speculation I hear is that Hogan is unlikely to do a job for Hart, which throws another monkey wrench into the plans, particularly since some behind-the-scenes maneuvering attempts are to elevate... Brutus Beefcake ahead of both Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect on the babyface ladder, as evidenced by the closing scene at Mania, which didn't air on the pay-per-view, with Hogan, Savage, Beefcake, and Vince McMahon in the ring together. So, Dave mentioned that it looked like it was going to be Bret Hogan at SummerSlam that year, and we know that to be the plan, and that didn't actually happen, but we know that that was sort of the long-term plan. Um... Brett does an interview, and and I think it's going to be next week, uh, where he does mention who is on his pecking order. So that will be kind of cool to see, and uh, and yeah, so we're already you know they're they're they have plans for the next two main shows. As we know, those plans don't actually come to fruition, um, but at least you know they kind of had an idea where they were going in their big program, which is uh, which is kind of the way that they used to do it, and they don't do it anymore. But uh, but yeah, and Hogan takes a New Japan booking. That is coming. Time. That is coming in May. So we'll be talking about that. And he does a very interesting interview at the time. So uh, it compares the WWE title to Toyota. Yep. 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 <laughs> I, I want to say this is what he meant when he worked Muda. If I remember correctly, I think so. I have to. I'm pretty sure. And there's also a pretty famous, well, I don't know how famous it was, but to me as a kid, I thought it was cool. There was a, I think Sting was on that same show, and there was a picture of Hogan and Sting shaking hands, and it ended up being the cover of PWI. So I remember that time. I remember being blown away. I saw that. I'm like, what? What the heck's going on? Oh, my gosh. You know? <laughs> but it could have also been 94. I think it is 93, though. And I think Hogan works Muda, and Muda does a job there. So. 
All right, so you know now that we don't have any Road to WrestleMania segments to do anymore, we're actually getting out of here at a, at a decent amount of time. So less than an hour 20. Um, one thing, next week when we don't have as large of an intro where you know, we talked about our weekend, uh, I want to bring back the What's John Watching? So just to give you a heads up to think of uh, a, a match that you're watching that almost no one else is watching except for Alan Forel. Um, I know what I'll be talking about, but like it's funny because I was trying to joking with the Heartbreak Kid Dave Rubio and Double D Dave Dutra. I was like, man, I'm like after this week week in New York, I want I want to do a detox of wrestling. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen. Be, well, no, it did because when I got sick, it forced me to take a detox of wrestling. I didn't watch anything. Oh I wow! To, I didn't have energy to really keep up, and then so, and I was getting frustrated because I knew at the same time that. All Japan Champion Carnival is happening, so I'm finally caught up with everything up up to date on that. So um, it's been really good. So I look forward to. I'll talk about that next week. So there'll, there'll definitely be a few more shows in it and get close to the finals. That's what they call a tease in this business, everybody. <laughs> All right, so we are out of here for John. I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.